0: Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Liebman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients.
1: This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Last month, Multnomah County fined its ambulance service provider, AMR, more than half a million dollars for slow response times to 911 calls. According to its exclusive contract with the county, AMR is required to respond to 90% of life-threatening calls within eight minutes in urban areas. In August, AMR ambulances only hit that target 86% of the time. The company has appealed the fine and says the problem is directly tied to the county's unique staffing requirements and to a nationwide paramedic shortage. We'll hear from the company in just a bit, along with the EMS Programs Director at Central Oregon Community College. They are working to create more paramedics in Central Oregon. We start with Dr. Paul Lewis. He is the Deputy Health Officer for Multnomah County. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. Can you give us a sense just for the the level of services in terms of, of ambulances that are being provided in Multnomah County right now? What happens in general, when people are calling? That's a great question. One
2: of the things I wanted to emphasize was that the EMS system is a lot more than an ambulance. It starts with uh, well-prepared bystanders who notice something's wrong, uh, followed typically by a phone call uh, to the 911 dispatchers, which are operated by the city of Portland, who then try to figure out what the problem is. Typically, they ask you, is your problem uh, fire, uh, police, or medical? If it's medical, they try to decide to the best of their ability, what kind of resource needs to be uh, dispatched. Then they work together directly with AMR to dispatch uh, the right kind of uh, ambulance at the right speed for that kind of uh, problem. Uh,
1: You you say the right kind of ambulance, you mean there are different ambulances that might be sent? Right.
2: I mean, uh, we can get to it. One of the things we've been working on for the last year is uh, having both advanced life support ambulances, which are staffed with two paramedics who can do basically ICU care with uh, needles and hoses and intubation and defibrillation, and um, basic life support or BLS, which is staffed by emergency medical technicians who can do first aid, but no invasive procedures and no medications. So you try to send the right resource to the right degree of problem. If someone has a sprained ankle or an earache, it's not an urgent thing, and you don't need an advanced life support uh, ambulance. If it's a heart attack- Do you need an
1: ambulance at all?
2: Well, that's a whole other topic (laughs) beyond the scope of this thing, (laughs) but but appropriate use of 911. Um, but then you know, following uh, the response to the scene, which for the emergen- bigger emergencies includes uh, typically a fire-first response with an engine, which typically has multiple EMTs plus a paramedic. Uh, AMR is the exclusive provider of transportation for those calls to the hospital, where people go to an emergency room and either get definitive care there or end up getting admitted. And then hopefully, the end of the story is that people end up at
1: home uh, healthy again. Let's turn to the, the fine here. Why is it that the county is saying, "Give us half a million dollars"?
2: Well, the you know the contract we've had with AMR since uh, 2018 includes many many provisions about what the county will do, what the what AMR will do, and one of the um, parameters uh, there's nearly 200. One of them is the one you mentioned at the top of the show, which is. Ninety percent response within eight minutes for the highest priority calls.
1: What's and, wh- why is that? And, and and the and the company didn't meet that in 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 a correct. recent month. You
2: know, we've been um, the, the contracted with AMR since 1995 in Multnomah County, and uh, I think I I'm not aware there there may have been small fines. They may have been forgiven in the in the past, but this problem has been going on you know for approximately 16 months now. And um, actually, the county initial policy was not to enforce the monetary part of the fine, but to work on alternative solutions in support of the company. Um, but uh, yeah, this summer, uh, uh, the, the policy changed to enforce the fine, and it may be having some effect with a smaller number of uh, uh, late calls uh, since it was imposed.
1: What do you mean by that? That response yeah, times have already improved.
2: Well, the you know the, the the rough numbers I have are that there was I think in August it was eighteen hundred calls were late, and in um, November it was only seven hundred.
1: Hmm. Why is the response time so important? What's the connection between average outcome and response time?
2: Yeah, that's another great question, Dave. We actually emphasize uh, different outcomes. We emphasize uh, survival after cardiac arrest. uh, There's a big national registry on that, and Noma County is in the top 10% in the entire country for survival after cardiac arrest. Our medical director, Dr. Ju, attributes that not only to the advice that the 911 dispatchers give to the people on the scene, how to give CPR, how often, to the fire-first response, particularly, and then to the two paramedic response, which literally allows ICU care to be delivered in the field and while being transported uh, to, the, to the hospital. So
1: let's turn then to this question of the two paramedic rule. Yeah, for sure. as, as people who may have been paying attention over the last few weeks may have heard that, that's at the heart of uh, the disagreement now between you, the county, and the company. Um, because they say that, that their, the response times that, that, um, that they've been providing recently are a direct result of the confluence of two things, a nationwide shortage of paramedics and the county's unique two-paramedic rule. Why does the county have this rule?
2: Yeah, another great question, David. So the national standard uh, across all of EMS is to have two paramedics on these high-level responses. It doesn't say how they have to get there. It just says the the standard is to have two. So, two paramedics is standard. It's standard actually in Washington and Clackamas County. It's just organized uh, differently. So, it's in no I think unique is really the wrong vocabulary word uh, here. It's the national
1: standard to have two paramedics. Uh, Now I'm deeply confused because AMR has said it, and we'll talk to them in, in a few minutes that they provide 911 ambulance response all over the country, and that out of 267 operations, and I think it's 49 states, Multnomah County, they have said, is the only one with this requirement. So so what am I misunderstanding? Right. So
2: again, uh, other jurisdictions that meet the national standard may provide the paramedics in a different way. But just In a counterpoint, AMR does not have a monopoly around the country, and San Diego, Denver, Seattle, Minneapolis, Boston, Houston, New York City, Pittsburgh, San Antonio, L.A. County all have two paramedics on an ambulance. So I think the use of the word unique is really inappropriate.
1: When you say they may provide a second paramedic in a different way, meaning not in an ambulance. Is it just that somebody's showing up in their Ford Focus? No. I mean, ha- like, what a, does it mean? Every to
2: ha- every county uh, organizes its ambulance service in a way that meets its needs. So, for example, in our neighboring counties, uh, they have a different system where AMR can provide one paramedic because they have an agreement with their fire agencies to actually be the first ones to get there on every call. So it's a different system than we have in Multnomah County, where if we were going to have the fire agencies respond to every 911 call, we'd need twice the size of our fire department. And I think that's the important point when these comparison made made to neighboring counties. They've worked really hard on their plans just like we have to provide the best service uh, to the residents. And, each one is different. Those counties have something called fire districts, whereas we have fire departments that are part of cities. They're, they're different systems. And again, I want to emphasize that Multnomah County has outstanding uh, survival rates compared to the rest of the country with the most severe cases, and we're not willing to compromise or experiment with that quality.
1: Have those survival rates that um, that you're saying we should be proud of, and that you're saying are uh, are tied to the, the two paramedic rule, at least on on some level, have they gone down over the last 16 months as response times have gone up? Yeah, that's a the million dollar question. You know, th- this this kind of
2: data <clears throat> is always lagging by a couple years. I think I'm quoting from. 21 or 22 but we don't we don't have more recent recent data than that but that's clearly something we're looking at by the um, rough review dr. Jew thinks that the outcomes appear to be about the same uh, this year and fortunately m- on many of those responses we do get not just two paramedics, but three paramedics because we have fire there as well. And if you can imagine your television scene of the ICU, you need a lot of people when someone's basically dead and you're trying to revive them. More hands is better.
1: From... Just the perspective of a, of a county resident who wants a couple things. I mean, the, the, I think the, the most basic thing is they, they want to know that if they or a loved one has a heart attack or has some emergency, um, that they have the best chance of getting care as soon as they can get it and, and of surviving. There's also the question of county taxpayer money is going to services, and, and, we, and if there's some contract, we want that contract to be honored. We, we want to get the services that we are paying for. The question of the fine, though, s- seems a little bit different to me. Let- let's say that, that, that AMR um, that their appeal doesn't work, and, and they, they give you the half million dollars. How is that going to help response times?:
2: Right, so the you know the fine structure and what the fines can be used for is all specified in the in the contract. And the, the, any fine money has to be used for what's called system enhancement, which is making things better. And typically, in the past, with smaller fines, it goes to buying stuff like defibrillators or better better equipment. This is a different magnitude, and a group will need to be convened to figure that out. But, but you Dave, can't but, buy new yeah, paramedics, right? Fair, fair enough. But Dave, I wanted to. Clarify one thing you said: that county taxpayers want to get what they're paying for. The county doesn't pay for, uh, doesn't pay AMR. Uh, AMR is a regulated monopoly. They get to go on every single nine one one medical call. No one else is allowed to. Uh, and in response, they need to follow the contractual requirements that they agreed to in 2018, and then renewed uh, just recently in 2022, to the, which included the two paramedic requirement. Well, if county taxpayers are not paying MR, who is? Uh, it's the it's the, the health insurance market. They they have exclusive right to bill insurance for ambulance transports, and they got a substantial
1: increase in their fees in in 2018. What options? are you saying AMR has right now? As, as we'll hear in just a few minutes, they say that this is because there aren't enough paramedics. And even if um, even if we wanted to, we just, we couldn't hire more. And that's the holdup. Um, what options do you think the company has?
2: Right. So more than... More than 12 months ago, we've been working with the county ever since the response time failure began. Working with the company. Yeah, with, without without penal, without financial penalty. And uh, proposed uh, with them more than 12 months ago that they could start using two EMTs, which they want to inc- increase in their system, on that basic life support ambulance for the low acuity calls like sprained ankles and spider bites. Um, that, uh, they didn't start hiring for that until well into this year and didn't really launch it until, uh, this summer and they can't find enough EMTs to staff the basic life support ambulances. So we find it a little inconsistent for them to say, all we need is more EMTs when they can't even, uh, find enough EMTs to run the pilot project that would take pressure off those advanced life support ambulances.
1: Okay. But that, so that's an, that's an extra wrinkle, I mean, a reason that you are mistrustful of what they're saying. But what options do you think they have? Well, we think that continuing to expand and evaluate that
2: pilot project with the basic life support ambulance for the simple calls will take pressure off the paramedic units that we r- rely on for the high quality,
1: most urgent uh, care. Paul Lewis, thanks very much. Thanks for having me, Dave. Paul Lewis is the Deputy Health Officer for Multnomah County. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about slow response times for ambulances in Multnomah County. Randy Lauer joins us now. He's the Vice President of Operations for AMR, which has the exclusive ambulance contract with the county. It's good to have you here. Thank you. On what grounds are you appealing this fine?
3: It's uh, really, I think, the core of it is that we don't have an ability to fix the problem um, with a fine. So it's, uh, and listen to Dr. Lewis, because we're kind of curious about what the county would apply that fine money for, and it would be a lot of the same things I think we're already spending money on. For example, we spend about $120,000 a month on incentives, over incentives, so incentivizing people above overtime to cover open shifts. So if we just use that money from fine money versus our regular finances, what's the real difference? It won't do anything different. It's just taking the money from a different bucket. So, And then scholarships is another thing, like in Clackamas County. Clackamas County, rather than finding us, asked us to invest that money into paramedic scholarships, which is a full-ride scholarship. Uh, the paramedic uh, course we have in Clackamas County is about $18,000 a year. So we have now both of the classes, the cohorts in that college, a full, largely with scholarship students, um, and I think a little over thirty total EMTs in paramedic school right now. That is um, a, a
1: medium-term solution, right? I mean, we're we're talking about an immediate shortage, and then and, and now diverting in Clackamas County some fine money so that there's a, in the pipeline there are future EMTs or eventually paramedics. But what about right now?
3: Yeah, no, you're you're spot on because we think this is both a short term and a long term problem. Uh, my thoughts have been it's going to take another year to two for this unprecedented national paramedic shortage to resolve. I'm hearing lately from uh, you know academic folks who study this that it's more likely to be four years. So we need to plan short term and long term. First thing we need to, do to solve the problem short term right now so we can start fielding more ambulances right away. Well, what is the problem as you see it? The problem is the unprecedented national paramedic shortage. So
1: what's the cause for that? Why are there not
3: enough paramedics? It was, and a lot of people may not have understood the impact of this, but the paramedic schools closed down for at least two years. So that's that's one of the larger drivers. The other thing that occurred, in specifically in Multnomah County, you know, in the pandemic, beginning of the pandemic, we had a lot of civil unrest. We have have had an explosion of of overdoses and fentanyl use and and behavioral health. So our call volume along those kind of calls has gone up dramatically.
1: More in Multnomah County than in say Washington or Clackamas. Yes. I mean, th- we're talking the civil unrest was was more acute clearly in Portland than say in Beaverton, but we've heard about fentanyl overdoses all over the country.
3: Yeah, I think you're you're correct. It's not specific to Multnomah County. I think it's amplified in Multnomah County because there are more unhoused individuals, there are more people who are substance addicted and there are more people who are mentally ill. It's More of a concentration of those folks in Multnomah County. So what effect has that had on the workforce? The uh, workforce, our our paramedics wear ballistic vests. About two years ago, we had a paramedic stabbed by a mentally ill patient. They get assaulted. Um, Most paramedics will tell me that during a four-day rotation where they work four 12-hour shifts in four days, um, they're going to get assaulted at least once. So it's dangerous. It's risky to our paramedics. We're still running the same number of calls, but today we are 18 ambulances short or 18 shifts short, we should deploy 50, 5:00 12-hour shifts every day. We're only able to deploy 32. So you've got 32 shifts and uh, ambulances running the same number of calls that 50 should be running. So you can imagine that extra workload on the people who are out there working, and that's burning them out. Not only the nature of the calls being more of a risk and a threat to them, um, but also just the volume of calls. They're running back to back and back and late calls that run that 12-hour shift into a 14-hour shift. And they're just getting fatigued. They're leaving the industry. They're leaving for... It used to be all of our turnover went to the fire service, which was fine because we continue to work with the fire service taking care of the same patients, and that familiarity, I think, is good for patient care. So they were doing the same work, they just had a different paycheck. Exactly. Different uniform, so different paycheck.
1: Now, where is now where would a highly trained paramedic go if they want to keep working, but they no longer want to be in an ambulance?
3: A lot of them still go to the fire service. The fire service has the same problem with uh, during the pandemic, a lot of people didn't retire because of the, the ins- uncertainty around what the future looked like. Um, and they didn't, promote and they didn't hire. So then all of a sudden, we get out of the pandemic, they're short staffed as well. So they're hiring to replenish their ranks and a lot of that comes from companies like AMR. But in addition to that, we're having people, I talked to a paramedic last week who's going to finish nursing school, probably this week, and he's going to leave and become a nurse. So people are going for more of a brick and mortar environment where they sense it's safer to provide healthcare. And, but some people are just going to totally different in, industries. We had a very tenured paramedic recently left to become a truck driver because he said it's routine, I'm not getting threatened every day, and it doesn't have the stress that it, being a paramedic had. So that's kind of what's happening. There's, there's sort of an exodus of paramedics from Multnomah County. We have, uh, at the last count, 12 Multnomah County paramedics who want to transfer to, to Washington County which we began providing service in, in, in August 1st of this year. But we've not let anybody transfer because we're not going to rob Peter to pay Paul. So those 12 paramedics who want to work in Washington County are still in Multnomah County. Um, Washington County is very close to being fully staffed. Clackamas County is closer. But, and that's because they have a paramedic EMT model versus a two-paramedic model. We are, um, in September, we were 50 paramedics short in Multnomah County. In November, we were fifty-five. By the first of the year, I assume that number is going to be around sixty. That's a big, a big hole in paramedic availability. So
1: let's turn to the the solution that you have been very uh, public about pushing for that, that 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 your company sees in in recent weeks or recent months, which is Multnomah County scrapping uh, its two paramedic rule and going to one EMT and one paramedic. As you heard from Paul Lewis, he he says it's not fair to say that Multnomah County is unique in this because other other paramedics arrive on the scene, say, from a fire district. And he also points to many other large cities that aren't um, served by AMR, places like San Diego and Denver, Seattle, Minneapolis, Houston, New York City, L.A. County, that he says do have two paramedic rules. So, What's Why are you so focused on the county
3: changing this requirement? It's a, Well, it's a temporary change. It's to solve the problem. It's to get the 50 shifts a day filled. And if they would allow paramedic EMT staffing, about half of our shifts we could fill with paramedic EMT. How quickly? Um, within two days, we could staff four to six more ambulances every day. Within three to four months, we'd have all 50 shifts filled. I'm, a, I'm a little confused
1: because he, he said that that um, for the, the basic life skills program, which he said is about a year old, the idea there being if you get a sprained ankle or um, a spider bite, which, as he said, it's a different conversation. I still don't know why an ambulance should be going there at all, but, but we'll set that aside. <laughs> he said that for that program – Your company has said you haven't been able to hire enough EMTs for that. If that's the case, how can you say that there are currently enough EMTs where you could immediately or within days staff more EMT slash paramedic ambulances?
3: Well, first of all, I'd I'd like to address that BLS basic life support pilot, uh, which isn't working, and it isn't working because we can't keep EMTs on those ambulances. We've hired over 50, hired and trained over 50. But they leave. When an opening, an EMT openings, if an EMT wants to transfer, they get to transfer. So an EMT opening in Clackamas County because one of their EMTs became a paramedic or something, one of those BLS pilot EMTs will transfer to Clackamas County. They would rather work on an advanced life support ambulance than they would on a basic life support ambulance. Do they get more money? Uh, no, but here, and here's the reason they'd rather work on, with a paramedic on an Advanced Life Support Ambulance. Because mm-hmm. on the BLS ambulance, with another EMT. They're very restricted in what kind of calls they can go on. Mm-hmm. Many of them still require that the patient be assessed by a paramedic before they're even called. And in talking to paramedics in that scenario, they say, by the time we get to the call, we do a full assessment of the patient, the hospital's probably five or six minutes away, the BLS unit is twenty minutes away. We're just going to transport it to the hospital. So that's an example of why it's not efficient and why it's not working. So you're—I mean, this is an important point.
1: You're, you're basically saying that the pilot it was good to have the pilot. We now know we should not make
3: this a, a broader program. The pilot, the way, and, and really driven because the nine one one center hasn't had enough time yet with the the, the newer dispatch system they've adopted um, to get sophisticated enough to know when to send a BLS unit instead of an ALS unit. Conversely, like in Clark County, which has a paramedic EMT system and BLS units, the 911 center there can directly dispatch the BLS units. Same situation in Washington County. In Multnomah County, the 911 center can't directly dispatch the BLS units, and that's why they're ineffective. I think we need to put a fork in the pilot. I think we should put a paramedic with an EMT on those units, make them an ALS unit, and you solve the problem quickly, rather than try to run around with a pilot that's not really working. Uh,
1: the sense I got from Paul Lewis, and the, certainly the sense I've gotten in in previous um, interviews and reports I've read from Multnomah County officials is, is they're not interested right now, at least publicly, in, in, in scrapping, even temporarily, the two paramedic requirement. That might change, um, but
3: I've seen no evidence yet that they're interested in, in doing that. So where does that leave us? Well, there's a bit of a myth that's been propagated by the medical director and Dr. Lewis actually talked about it. He said that you need two paramedics on the scene of a critical call. I don't disagree with that. He's absolutely true. Right now, we, on the scene of a critical call, we have three paramedics and three EMTs. Two paramedics from AMR ambulance, one from the fire engine, and three EMTs on the fire engine. What we're proposing... Is that we have two paramedics and four EMTs. So we put a paramedic, we put an EMT with an AMR paramedic. You still have the fire paramedic. Still have three fire EMTs. You have um, a total of six people in either scenario to take care of the patient. Just one more being an EMT. That well, what conforms, I'm asking is is what happens if they say no, we don't want to do that? Then we're stuck with this problem. is going to get worse. That, and that's that's the thing that really keeps me up at night. We are in crisis now. We are headed for an absolute catastrophe. Just by the number of more openings we're having every month, we cannot sustain a two-paramedic system in Multnomah County until the paramedic crisis is, is overcome, and the paramedics have have trained and graduated enough paramedics, and now people are saying that's two to four years out. So let's do this temporarily until there are enough paramedics. And then we get back to a two-paramedic system and all the ambulances. But it makes no sense to me for people to suffer for the next two to four years because the county can't get over whatever is holding it up on this two-paramedic system. Again, it's only one of 267 operations AMR has in the country that has a two-paramedic requirement.
1: You knew about this requirement when you signed the contract, right? Sure, sure. So what has changed since the most recent contract was signed?
3: The 2018 contract was pre-pandemic. Everything was fine. Going through 2019, getting into 2020, when the pandemic hit in March of 2020, our call volume dropped 30% almost overnight because people were afraid to go to the hospital, afraid to access healthcare. And that persisted for a while. So we had all kinds of extra staff. And then the, the wheel started shifting quite a bit. And about in March of 22, we really started getting into this crisis level of paramedic shortage. So that's been a year and a half ago. And it's only gotten worse in that year and a half. And it's going to get worse in the next year and a half. Randy Lauer, thanks very much. Thank you. Randy Lauer is Vice President of Operations
1: at American Medical Response. As we've heard, one of the overarching issues in the slow response time for ambulances is a shortage of paramedics and EMTs. Dave Schapp is one of the people who is trying to change that. He is the EMS Programs Director at Central Oregon Community College. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. How do you explain the nationwide paramedic and EMT shortage right now?
0: Well, that's a difficult thing for me to do. i'm I'm no expert on the nationwide shortage. Um, I've read the same articles as other people, and certainly, every region has its own level of struggle. But, you know, there's a lot of conjecture about whether it's because the job is more stressful, whether it's because during the pandemic, there were so many retirements. Um, there are people who, claim that in areas where educational requirements are higher, that the shortage is worse. Uh, There are a lot of different perspectives, but um, I I would say that being in central Oregon, we have sort of a microcosmic view of this problem. We don't have the same level of shortage in our region that other regions do. and, And certainly, we're at the other end of the spectrum from what Randy's experiencing in Multnomah County. How do you explain that? Uh, Well, we have a public-based EMS system largely here in Central Oregon. So, our students, um, they are generally linked with agencies when they're in our paramedicine program. So, we have a current cohort of 24 students, which is our full class size, and all but three of them are already affiliated with a regional EMS provider. So, While I have a very strong relationship with uh, Randy's operation and send our students for internships and experience um, at the end of our program uh, in Multnomah County, they choose to remain here as employees of public agencies. Um, So like Randy was saying, um, a lot of the training effort of the private agencies in cities like Portland Goes to get people to a certain level. They get a lot of experience in the street, treat a lot of really sick patients, and they will take that experience to the partner agencies that are public. You know, for a number of reasons, uh, the paycheck is different, the benefits are different. Um, people have a just a different perspective on the job in these public agencies sometimes, but. Here, uh, the students go from public to school and then back to public. So a lot of them are sponsored by the regional EMS agencies when they're here.
1: Hmm. One of the big issues that was threaded in my conversations with both Paul Lewis and Randy Lauer um, is the question of EMTs versus paramedics. How is the training for them different?
0: Well, uh, the, the training for them is actually very different, um, only in its depth. So, you know, essentially a, an EMT traditionally is a very skills based program and it's a much shorter program of study. We do it in two terms and um, students, and I say traditionally because this is changing rapidly, especially right now and especially in the state of Oregon um it was very much skills based younger students learning how to learn and and learning how to do things like you know splinting and and taking care of medical emergencies in ways that don't have a lot of risk for patients there's a really great risk versus benefit ratio for basic life support and then when you move to advanced life support you start pushing poison into people's veins directly. And so the risks go way up. When you say poison,
1: things that if they're not dosed correctly could kill you, but if they're dosed correctly could save your life.
0: Exactly. The the only difference between a poison and a medication is dosage. Right. So, you know, uh, medication errors change the nomenclature, right? They they change it from being something that's therapeutic to something that, you know, can be life-threatening or can at least harm patients. So there's a lot more background education, um, anatomy and physiology and pathophysiology, and you know all the things that go into understanding how these medications work um, as opposed to at a basic life support level, the medications that they're utilizing are extremely low risk, and they're not directly injected into patients for the you know for the most part. Um, so that piece is is very different. However, the thing that I would really stress is that, The foundations of medical education about basically gathering data from patients through patient assessment and history taking, communicating effectively in order to get that information and generate trust, and then doing the most effective interventions for most patients, that all occurs at the EMT level. And the paramedic level, essentially the way I describe it is it just increases the size of a practitioner's toolbox.
1: Just in terms of very basic things, like how long it takes to, to, to get these different levels uh, of accreditation and how much money you, have, you might have to spend, what's the difference?
0: Oh, the difference is vast. You're, you're looking at you know less than six months to become an EMT, and you're looking at in a state like Oregon between two and three years to become a paramedic. And you know personally, I, I really think there's more than one question being asked. You know, and I, I think that what Randy was saying it really comes back to what do we want? I mean, do we want an ALS level practitioner arriving on a critical medical scene within eight minutes and only one of those people being a paramedic and the other one being a well-trained EMT? Or do we want to wait 25 minutes for two paramedics to show up when you know we do have some very time-sensitive medical emergencies and the people who are on scene waiting for those paramedics May not be ALS level practitioners, depending on where this is occurring.
1: Well, I mean, when you put the question that way, the the answer right is a given. If that's that's not a um, that's not a difficult question for anyone to to answer. If, if those are the only two options, we we want. The, I mean, the difference between eight minutes and twenty five minutes is probably bigger than the difference between two paramedics arriving. At the at the end of those twenty five minutes, right? I think that's fair to say. So, but but I guess the question for you is: Are those two scenarios um, the the most reasonable ones? In other words, is it possible to do you think to have two paramedics arrive within eight minutes in Portland right now? Randy Lauer says no. Paul Lewis and Multnomah County say make it work somehow. Be because paramedics have such better training that that you need them for critical calls. Where do you fall down here?
0: Well, I mean, first of all, I think Randy is the only person who's going to be able to tell you that they're down, you know, 18 shifts a day in Multnomah County. Um, But- I, you know, my students do go um, and do their internships in Multnomah County, and I review all their charts. And I actually was on the phone with a Multnomah County medic last night who is precepting one of my students. And, you know, they did a 17-hour shift instead of a 12-hour shift, and they did 14, 13, 12, and 13 calls in the four-day rotation, And, um, and he was pretty exhausted. I would say that if Randy can fill those shifts, he would. Now, you know, full disclosure, I've known him a long time. I've worked for AMR and GMR before this for a long time. And I have the utmost respect for Randy. And I don't think he wants to do anything that's not going to benefit the county. Um, I also know John. And so I have a sense for sort of what his uh, desires are. But it does feel a little simple to me. If the if the supply is not there, and there's no way that we can speed the supply up, at least in our region, or get our students to go and work in Portland when they finish here, when they already have jobs lined up in Central Oregon. So I don't have a solution other than the one Randy is offering. I'm I think everybody's probably open for other solutions. But, you know, I mean, I would just contrast it with the situation in the hospital emergency department. Do we have to have 15 doctors to get a physician level of care or can nurses who have less training under the direction of a doctor be delivering doctor level of care? Can an EMT and a paramedic on scene be delivering paramedic level of care or does it take two paramedics to do that in addition to whatever the first response level is?
1: You know, just briefly, uh, going back to the question of of the exodus from the field, you were a, a paramedic in Multnomah County um, earlier in your career. If you were starting your career out right now, would you still be interested in a career as a paramedic?
0: Yes, I mean I love the job, and the only reason that I went upstream into paramedicine education was because I was training one person at a time, and AMR approached me about taking over their college that was then located in Beaverton. I really do miss critical patients. I also remember you know, what the job was like then, and I know it's different now. It really is, at least in Multnomah County, it's different because the utilization of those units is so high and the level of violence against the practitioners is so high. I mean, it just wasn't like that
1: before. Dave Schaap, thanks very much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Dave Schaap is EMS Programs Director at Central Oregon Community College. Coming up after a break, 38% of all Oregon K-12 students were chronically absent last year, meaning they missed at least 10% of school days. We'll ask why and what's being done about it.
3: At a time when information continues to come at us
1: faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause. And rewind. NPR's Through takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed.
3: Find NPR's Through wherever you get your podcasts.